Hey cousins, this is Tiff. Today's topic is a little mature for our younger audience. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to episode 73. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm miserably full. Yes, your husband is quite the cook. Thank you. Thank you. So. I know. It was good. Yes. What have you been up to? Working a lot. I don't know. It was today. Okay. So my coworker Zach was off like three days this week and it just, uh, everything just seemed more like crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then of course my bestie Kimberly was her last day on Friday or actually Thursday. So, <laughs> but, um, I'm Bye, sure I'll Kimberly. see her. So it'll be, yeah. It'll be fine. Good she luck, like, Kimberly. It's your new job. Yeah. I love when I was leaving on Thursday, I went to go see her before I left. And like I was hugging her and she was like, bye. And I was like, I'm not saying bye. I'm just going to say see you later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, you know, it was just kind of like one of those weeks. So when Friday, four o'clock hit, I was out the ready. dough. It was just kind of. Right, right. Anyway, happy birthday to Stephanie, your Ah, sister. Today's her birthday. My sister turned 40 today. Oh, lordy, lordy, look who's 40. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She was going to go out to dinner with some friends. And I guess my mom. Well, I hope she has a great time. Me too. Me too. I think they were just going to be in Yukon. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, y'all see my sister. Tell her happy birthday. Yeah. I guess when this comes out, tell her happy belated birthday. Yeah, but. yeah, that's true. Yep, she well, did. Any business? Do we have any business? No. Um, if you guys were interested in going on a paranormal investigation with Spooky Ogie, I know she opened up some new uh, venues that she was going to do, and one of them was the Masonic Lodge there in Cleveland. So mm-hmm. definitely go and check it out. And yeah. Tell them, tell them your favorite cousins sent you. Heck yeah! And then I know she's got another one coming up in April in Arkansas, which I'm very interested in going. Mm-hmm. I think it'll take some convincing to get you to go, but it'll be fine. It'll Me? be fine. Yes, you. Where's it at? Oh, you don't know? Uh uh-uh. Oh, oh, it's at a TB hospital. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting. I think it'd be so fun to go. Um, I would be stuck like glue to you like the entire time, not going to lie. <laughs> when were you not stuck like glue to me at the other two? <laughs> I, when I went to the bathroom. <laughs> true, true, true. Before it started. <laughs> <laughs> when we were safely eating Mexican food. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's on my anniversary, so I need to... I think you'd have to convince your husband then more than you'd have to convince me. Yes, yes, probably <laughs> that I get to go. Maybe I can convince him to go with me. Maybe like yeah. He won't go with Let's me. Do a different day. Yeah. 
for yours. Yes. To celebrate. My anniversary. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. But other than that, no, I don't think anything else is up in the air. Or... Check Tulsa Spirit Tours. I know that they've had oh, some Oh, yeah. They've been posting a lot lately. Up. And even stuff to, that's going to be happening later in the year. Yeah. So, you can get your name on their list. I, I wonder if they still have any. They may still have some seats open on their... Um, their big tour coming up at Missouri State Penitentiary. Oh, oh yeah, they okay. were taking it was like three hundred dollars a seat, oh, but yeah. I think it that included like board and everything, everything like mm-hmm. food and board and everything. Yeah. So, well, and I think right now I think they have a ghost hunting class one hundred and one. Oh yeah, coming up like yeah. really soon. I think yeah, I think you're right. So, so I know hard to check them out. The Guthrie Renaissance Festival is coming up too. I've been seeing ads for that on Facebook. So a lot of stuff. I mean, it's about to be that type of year, that time yeah. that time of year, not type of year, but time of yeah. year when a lot of spring fairs and things mm-hmm. like Mayfest is coming and yeah. all the farmers markets are about to open. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. But yeah. So that's it. Do you have a story for me today? I do. Okay, so let me just preface this with saying um this isn't the original story I had planned for this week. And we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and this is like the second time in a row this has happened to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Like, listen, this past week has been really busy. And I feel like the week before that was really busy, too. And by the time I got home, like, I had things to do afterwards. And it was just like, by the time I got home, I was just exhausted. Right. Right. And so my research for that wasn't being done as well as I wasn't to the caliber that I right would prefer yeah so I'm just gonna hold off on that one okay, until I perfect. can give it my full attention yeah and not that this one didn't but this one was just a little bit easier because mm-hmm. um all my sources are from off the internet right and my the other one I was planning on doing is more book oh yeah yeah stuff so this one was just kind of a little easier to yeah get together so it will be coming eventually <laughs> sorry dreams <laughs> to be continued yeah but anyway you want to just get right into it let's dive in okay so i am covering the disappearances of charlotte kinsey and cinda pallet or i don't know if it's pallet or pal no i think it's pallet <laughs> sorry they had a different spelling, like two different oh, spellings. Okay, okay, okay. So I didn't know if it was trying to be like a palais, like a French thing, but I think it's palette, so. We're from Oklahoma. Yeah, palette. <laughs> so, just getting right into it. Okay. Every fall since 1907, when the first hints of crisp autumn breeze are in the air, people from far and wide have ventured to the city for the annual State Fair of Oklahoma. The Great State Fair of Oklahoma. You guys have a song? Yes, we did have a song. Okay. Well. <laughs> These people who grew up in Tulsa. <laughs> I grew up yes. going to the Tulsa State Fair. No, I grew up going to the Oklahoma State Fair. And I don't remember if it had a song. I don't recall it having a song, but. The I Tulsa. Feel, I feel like it does now. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, now I'm just yes. too old to even care. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and also, um, tangent, the crisp autumn air. It's at the beginning of September. It's well hotter than Haiti still. <laughs> now it is. Right. Maybe right. in the when this 
occurred it yes i i remember because my birthday falls like right during this time mm-hmm. and i remember when it was like a lot cooler around like on my birthday you'd have to when we had longer seasons in oklahoma Mm -hmm. like you had have to wear you were wearing like long long sleeves at that point yeah and like now i'm wearing t-shirts and shorts because i'm sweating in october (laughs) but anyway we digress so So. sorry 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 sorry. (laughs) on the afternoon of september 26th 1981 (laughs) Friends, Cinda Pallet and Charlotte Kinsey stepped onto the fairgrounds. Among the vendors, entertainers, and artists, the teens were eager to experience the fair for the first time on their own without their parents. And that, um, like, that's a rite of passage. As they, that yeah, is a it, rite you know, of passage. It was like they believed that they were finally, you know, old enough to attend by themselves. It's like the first time you go to your the mall without your parents. Yeah, you know, exactly. that feeling. They just drop you off. Yes. At 13 years old, Charlotte stood about five feet tall with blonde feathered hair and blue eyes. In 1981, her mother, Perla Peterson, said Charlotte was diligent about like calling her parents if there was a change of plans. So she was that kind of teenager that if something switched, she was, you know, let her parents know, according to her mother, that she was just on top of that kind of thing. She seems like the responsible type. Right. Cinda, who was also 13 years old, contrasted Charlotte with her dark brown hair. She also had blue eyes and stood five feet tall. At approximately 5 p.m. on September 26, 1981, Charlotte called home to tell Perla that she and Cinda were offered jobs at the fair to help a male carnival worker unload no, animals no, from a truck. No. No. Also, I want to note no. that witnesses later told police that the 13-year-old girls left the fair with a man who offered to pay them and two boys he had recruited to help him unload stuffed animals from an off-site truck. No. So it wasn't just the girls, it was two boys who also went as well. I don't like this already. You won't like it at all. I'm out. (laughs) Though Perla agreed, she told Charlotte to call her back around 9 p.m. And Cinda's mother, Norma Pallet, instructed her daughter to do the same thing as the girls were planning a sleepover and she needed to know where to pick them up. And one source said that they had looked up, looked up a 1981 calendar and the 26th fell on a Saturday night. So it was the weekend and they were going to. I don't know whose house they were going to stay at, but they were planning on having a sleepover after the fair. So. At nine o'clock at night. Yeah. And I think, I think Cinda's mom was the one who was going to pick them up. It's so crazy how times are just so different now. Oh, I know. Like there's (laughs) no way my parent, even with, you know, me and you being exennials. Uh Uh-huh. My parents would not have dropped me off at the state fair at 13 and picked me up at nine Mm o'clock at night. No, no. Nope. And that's, I mean, that was the 90s. Yeah. You know, so it's just 10 years later. But oh, yeah. this is probably one of the main reasons why they probably didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, if I'm, if, if I'm smelling what you're putting down here. Yeah. You are. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so their parents grew concerned after the pair fell to call at 9 p.m. like they said. When neither of them returned home, they called the Oklahoma City Police Department to report them missing. 
Upon receiving the missing persons reports, in the days following, a dedicated task force was formed to assist with this case. Okay. Both uniformed and undercover officers patrolled the fairgrounds looking for any sign of the girls. Oh, my gosh. This is from this quote is from Ray Elliott, a retired assistant district attorney and district judge in Oklahoma County. And he said this. There were hundreds and thousands of people that needed to be interviewed. We ultimately had witnesses from over 40 states that we had to locate. What? Interview, determine if they had pertinent information to the case. What a nightmare. Can you imagine? What a nightmare. Thousands of people that you would have that you had to try and contact. How would you even know who to contact because it's not like they had surveillance like we do nowadays. I mean, it, it you really have to count on people's eyewitness accounts. And their honesty. Right. Oh, my gosh. Family, friends, and volunteers went from booth to booth hanging up flyers of the girls, <sighs> hoping anyone with information would come forward, while Charlotte's family set up a 24-hour post at the fair. <sighs> Little did everyone know this was only the beginning. Oh, my gosh. Ray Elliott said, quote, the case kind of took on a life of its own. It grew and grew. The deeper we dug into the weeds, the more obvious it became there was going to be lots of work. When Elliot got the case, he visited both of the girls' families. To this day, Elliot recalls how the Pallet family had left Cinda's room exactly the way it was the day she disappeared. Well, yeah. Quote, she was working on some little crocheted Christmas decorations prior to her going oh, to the fair. no. Mrs. Pallet gave me one of those Christmas decorations and said, this will be your inspiration. And that came from Ray Elliott. Oh, my God. One of these articles I got my information from, and um, I have a ton of sources, so I wasn't going to, like, list them all, but Tiff will post them in the show notes. But... The source, the article was um, from KOCO. Okay. And it was done in 2023. I can't remember what month, oh, like but they it updated was like recently. It. Okay, yeah. So, An anniversary type of thing. Maybe. Before long, police were pursuing three possibilities. The first, Cinda and Charlotte could have run away. Right. They're 13. Right. Two, they could have been abducted. Yes. Or three, could have been killed. So police detective Don Pennington said that those were kind of like their three, um, what's the word? Their three, their top three, um, their top three possibilities of what may have happened. Okay, yeah. So based on witness reports, investigators were able to put together the following description of a potential suspect. A male between the ages of 35 and 50. Weighing approximately 200 to 250 pounds and standing at six foot one to about six three tall. He had dark hair with gray streaks. Okay. He had a mustache and a full beard, muscular arms. He was wearing silver wire rimmed glasses, a brown striped or plaid cowboy shirt, cowboy boots, a flimsy straw cowboy hat. A digital watch on his left wrist, a yellow badge, and a leather belt with the name Joseph tooled into it. That is very specific. <laughs> so specific. Very specific. So specific. And is this something that they just like gathered from the All number the of? Okay, okay, okay. And we'll get into it. Okay. Wow. So I mean, 
They also I feel like that's a pretty good lead right there. Yeah. Well, they also found that the man drove a tan two-door 1980 or 1981 Pontiac Grand Prix with South Dakota license plates. It had a half vinyl roof and numerous papers scattered across the dashboard. He'd approached numerous children the day Charlotte and Cinda disappeared, offering jobs that paid $5 to $10 an hour. His description was put on the missing persons flyers and sent to neighboring law enforcement agencies. Following the girls' disappearance, two teenage boys came forward and told the police they might have information of interest to the investigators about the man. These are the two boys that went with them right. to help the man unload stuffed animals. These are these two boys. And I say boys, they were teenagers. Right. I mean, yeah. They said he'd driven them and the girls to a truck stop off I-40 to meet the truck with the stuffed toys. When it wasn't there, he asked the boys to wait at the stop while he drove the girls to check the next one. Oh, my gosh. He gave them $10 before driving away with Charlotte and Cinda. So just a side note real quick. Um, It should be noted, uh, many news outlets mistakenly reported that these boys were Charlotte and Cinda's boyfriends. Right. They're, they weren't. They weren't. They'd okay. actually just met them on the day of their disappearance. Okay. So they did not know him prior. Okay. The man nor the girls ever returned. Oh, my gosh. The boys were able to provide a clear description and ultimately a complete drawing of the man oh they got gosh. into the car with, as well as the girls. The sketch of the man and his description were placed on the missing person's flyers. Oh, my gosh. This would prove to be crucial to the investigation. The man's yellow badge, remember that we talked about? His yellow badge was located soon after. It bore the name and photograph of Donald Michael Corey, a 36-year-old carnival drifter who resembled the man in the witness sketches. Immediately, police charged him with two counts of kidnapping and launched a nationwide search. He was eventually arrested in Alabama, but later had the charges against him dropped after it was determined he had no relation to the case. So the police verified that Corey was working in Dallas the day Cinda and Charlotte vanished, but not before he had been arrested in another state and extradited to Oklahoma to face the accusers. Oh, my gosh. And he said, quote, if I hadn't been able to prove I was in Dallas, where would I be? It's hard on a person to be in jail for something you didn't do. Now, I don't know how long he was in there, but I'm I'm assuming it was probably not a super long time. Right. So because they were able to prove that he was actually not even in the same state when they disappeared. Investigators were able to rule out all employees with the Oklahoma State Fair as suspects, uh, stating that they felt the abductor had posed as a carnival worker uh, in order to gain the girls' trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of of months into the investigation, the Oklahoma City Police Department put up a $5,000 reward for information leading to Cinda and Charlotte's return. 
Another $1,000 was added by the families with Crime Stoppers offering an additional $2,500. Wow. So that brings the total to what? Eight, nine and a nine thousand five. Like eighty five hundred dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all of this. That's a lot of money for nineteen eighty one. All of this was on on top of funds raised by Highland West Middle School where oh, the girls were students. Gosh. So oh if there gosh. was even more money because their middle school that they attended raised money to help add to this reward. Oh my god. Does that not just like... Can you imagine raising money to help find your classmate? Oh, it, it that gives tears me, chills, me. That tears me apart. It's just... <sighs> Police received numerous potential sightings. Some believed they'd seen the girls in California and Maryland, while one sighting was called in from Germany. What? <laughs> right? A woman from New Jersey claimed she'd seen the two amongst a group of five Hispanic men working uh, in work uniforms at the Fun Town Pier near a residence in Seaside Park. Wow. The girls' parents received countless leads from various organizations, all of which they passed on to the police. Cinda's father was aware that a man identified as... I'm doing quotes here. James Miller, I'm assuming it was probably a fake name, had allegedly confessed to killing his daughter while another man named, some more quotes here, Sig Ragland claimed to have seen the girl's bones and burned clothing. So one of the girls is, or well, Cinda's father got two separate phone calls one from a man claiming he's the one who killed his daughter, and then another saying he that the um, he saw the bodies burnt and right. her bones and clothes. Like, how awful is that? I mean, this ugh. family is already going through something traumatic, mm-hmm. and you have these jack wagons calling. Right. Oh my gosh, you just like, can't imagine. <sighs> well, and too on top of that, like, what kind of mental health state are they in when they are like one of them is admitting to a crime that 98% of the, you know, 98% sure he did not commit. But, you know, and then the other one, like, how do you, how do you know those are their bones? Right. Like, like uh, it's just people, people do anything for their 15 minutes of fame. Oh, absolutely. And it's just awful. People are so awful. Charlotte's older sister, Lisa, said her former boyfriend had received a phone call from Charlotte during which she said, quote, Curtis, help. I can't get a hold of Lisa, but it was ne- but it has never been verified. Like, they have no way of oh. knowing that she was the one who called. Right, right. Uh, see, and people who make, you know, prank calls like that. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yep. Because I'm sure if, like, if, if the victim was given the chance to make a phone call, mm-hmm. they're not calling her sister's boyfriend. Mm-mm. Well, and on top of that, it's like... If you are in such, like, a state of where, like, your sister's been missing for months now, and any person who calls and, oh, Curtis, help, I can't get a hold of Lisa, how do you know that that's actually... Right. Like, kind of like you said, like, how... I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, in the panic of your mind, how do you not think that maybe... You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, you associate... Like, you Part of me would it sounds like instantly doubt it, you yeah. know, and I, I'd almost like I'd almost be afraid like after a while someone called and said that I'd be like, what? 
so, and I mean, I don't know, being the sister's boyfriend, how often do you really talk to her anyways? Like that. Well, and back then there wasn't color ID. Right. Like, if you called someone, you, it's because you had it memorized. Right. I and mean, why like, did she have her sister's boyfriend's phone number memorized? So like, you know, like I said, it's never been verified. Yeah. So. Yeah. The likelihood that that really was her is probably slim to none. So going back to the two boys. Mm-hmm. They were able to describe the car the man was driving, and investigators learned it was a rental car. Of course it was. So then, police and investigators were able to determine that a car fitting that description, or fitting that description and the description of the man, was rented by a Roy Russell Long. Not Joseph? Not Joseph. Where did he get that belt? Probably stole it. You're probably right. Royal Russell Long, a carnival worker and part-time long-haul truck driver, has long been considered the prime suspect in the case. Oh, my gosh. Not only did he closely resemble the suspect sketch that they were able to get, but he lived in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and had delivered equipment to drilling rigs across the state. He had arrived in Oklahoma City the day before Cinda and Charlotte disappeared to deliver a flatbed trailer to a local business and later admitted to visiting the fair the following day. Oh, uh oh. Despite witnesses identifying him as the man offering children jobs at the fair, he denied any involvement. Long was no stranger to law enforcement, okay? And I forgot this to tell you earlier. Oh, no. Heads up, trigger warning. This is going to get awful. So Long had a long history of sexual violence, specifically against young girls, Mm, including his own daughter. What? According to court documents, Long was accused of molesting his daughter from ages three to four years old until she was about 15 years old. Oh, my gosh. Later, Long's daughter would assist investigators in their case against her father. She said that she'd witnessed him attempting to lure young girls with puppies and toys. She also claimed he told her that no female over the age of 13 would ever sexually satisfy him. What a monster. In fact. Oh, my. Oh. By the time investigators wanted to question Long in relation to the disappearance of Charlotte and Cinda, because remember, it's been a couple months, Long was serving time in the Wyoming State Penitentiary, oh my gosh. having pled guilty to the kidnapping of a 15-year-old girl and her 12-year-old friend. On September 18, 1984, 12-year-old Sharon Bald Eagle and her friend, 15-year-old Sandy Brokenleg, had been hitchhiking to to Idaho when Long picked them up in Casper, Wyoming. He'd brought them to his home in uh, Evansville, Wyoming, tied them up to, at gunpoint with coat hangers, and sexually oh. assaulted them. While oh, Sandy, and you know they had to be wire coat hangers, too. Mm-hmm. While Sandy was able to escape and get help from a neighbor, both Long and Sharon, which, remember, is the 12-year-old, were gone by the time police arrived. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 Long no, no. was eventually arrested by the FBI in Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
When questioned, he said he'd driven Sharon to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and put her on a light-colored bus or truck bound to Dallas, Texas. When questioned about kidnapping and assaulting her and Sandy, he claimed the girls had willingly engaged in sexual activity with him out of a need for money and had lied about their ages. Oh, it is hard for me to believe a 12-year-old. That must have been some developed 12-year-old. Would agree to something like that or understand in the, in the 19, in 1984. Like, it's not like that information and was I, as readily available as it is nowadays. And I'm sure they agreed to be beaten and sexually assaulted and tied up with, tied coat, up ha- with coat hangers. I, I'm sure they agreed to that. Yeah. Sounds like something anyone would want to do. Any 12 or 15 year old. Like, yeah. it's disgusting. Oh um, my gosh. Long took a plea deal in relation to the case. <sighs> he was sentenced to two life terms in prison for charges of kidnapping for the purpose of committing indecent liberties with a minor. Good. Absolutely. According to an Oklahoma City prosecutor, Long was a person of interest during the early stages of the investigation, but was removed after three or four days. Why? I don't know why. It didn't say. It didn't say. So it would take another three years for him to reappear on their radar. Okay. Okay. Well, but he does reappear. Yeah. Okay. So police were able to locate the Pontiac Grand Prix he'd rented during his stay in Oklahoma. And they found it in El Paso, Texas. What color was it? I think it was tan. Oh, okay. I think is what it said. I think it okay. said it was tan. But I was going like, to see, was it, is it the same color as one of the cars that the boys had seen? Yeah. No, it was the exact car. Oh, it was. Okay. That okay. 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 I thought for some reason you said it was yellow. The badge was yellow. Oh, the badge was yellow. Okay. My bad. Sorry. No, you're fine. So a witness came forward to say that they'd seen the girls with a man matching his description in a similar vehicle on September 26th, 1981. That's the day they disappeared. The vehicle was thoroughly examined. Now, remember, this is like three years later, though, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't okay. think it was three years oh, okay. later. They oh, when they oh, got him okay. three years later. Okay. When they found the car. When they found the car, okay. I think it was probably just months. Okay. Oh, when they well, were able to track it down. And it was a rental car, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But it ended up in El Paso. El Paso. Okay, yeah. But still being a rental car. <laughs> I know. The vehicle was thoroughly examined. 13 scalp hairs found in the trunk came back as a match to Cinda. Oh, that's impressive because in 1981, it's not like they had DNA. Well, and also animal hair was found that matched those of her three dogs and one cat. Oh, no. Blonde hair was also found because remember, Cinda had dark hair. Yes. And Charlotte had blonde or strawberry blonde, something like that. So blonde hair was also found stuck to the corner of the mat. Uh, three separate forensic tests proved there to be a bloody boot print and other blood stains on the mat in the trunk. While they didn't yet have access to DNA technology, an expert was able to determine that either one large body or two smaller ones were outlined in the blood stains. Oh my gosh. Note to self. They don't clean the trunk <laughs> at rental companies. They didn't in the 80s anyway. A lock of blonde hair was found during a search of Long's trailer in his home in Wyoming. While it may have belonged to Charlotte, mm-hmm. test proved inconclusive. 
as the strands didn't have their roots. Right. In addition to the hairs, luminol testing revealed bloodstains in the trunk of the car. Kooky fact. Ray Elliott said this was the first case in Oklahoma where investigators had used luminol testing. Luminol testing. I was trying to... I was interested to know when did luminol testing start because i didn't think it had started apparently this was the first this is the first case. so it, maybe it started in the 80s 81 other places known to long were searched but uncovered no further evidence as investigators built their case against long he was extradited back to oklahoma a task force was headed by ray elliott along with three police detectives and two civilian employees assisting Elliot said because Long had to be extradited, they had some time to make sure that their case was solid. During their investigation, a fellow inmate in the Wyoming penitentiary testified that while in prison, Long had been watching the coverage on the case in Oklahoma oh, no. and said, quote, now this is what he said to yeah, okay. a fellow inmate. I don't know if I'm ready for this. If you cut the bodies up small enough no, no, and no, stick no. them in a rat hole, they'll never be found. Kooky fact. As he was serving time in California for another crime, Long had learned a trade. He was a meat cutter. They can't see my face. I have to remind myself that we are not on video. Long was charged oh with kidnapping gosh. and first-degree murder in relation to the case in August of 1985. He pled not guilty and was denied bond. Good. While in jail, awaiting his preliminary hearing, he spoke of an alleged conspiracy between authorities in Oklahoma and Wyoming to try him for the abduction of the girls and the kidnapping of another, Sharon Bald Eagle. So he is denying. He d he's like... He's he's thinking, oh, they're trying but to... But he'd already pled guilty to... He was already su serving two life terms. For... For the... Bald Eagle's case, right? Bald Eagle and Broken Leg. Broken Leg. He admitted to the kidnapping. Well, on he took the, a plea deal. Oh, he took it. So, essentially, so he, he was, was admitting. Guilty. Yes. It's a conspiracy. You know, you have a lot of faith in thinking that the... Too. Yeah. Thinking that two very separate law enforcement agencies are actually working together that well, i mean like no i no. yeah we we're we're so against you i mean evidence speaks i mean oh uh, absolutely they have, they have all of this evidence and your track record sir does not sound like yep the hearing went underway that october its aim was to determine if the case could move to trial given prosecutors hadn't found the girls' bodies so at this point it's been like four years Oh, my gosh. Along with hearing from one of the boys, Lance Rumsey, the judge heard testimony from two teenage girls who claimed to have been approached by Long. Oh, gosh. And this was like at, at, at the, the fair, fair. At the fair. They said he'd offered them a job unloading toys, but they grew suspicious and walked away. So they were like, oh, creep factor is going off. Good for no, them. Thank Good you. for them. Not today. The defense argued that Charlotte and Cinda had been spotted in Miami, Florida. <laughs> they also argued it was possible they were working as prostitutes in Burbank, California. Oh. Filming a porn movie titled Little Love Slaves. Are you, you believe that? kidding me? No. 
First off, the nerve of a defense attorney. Like, I understand. They we need defense attorneys. Old. We need them. That has got to be the worst, one of the worst jobs. And I know if you are a defense attorney that you have your work cut out for you and that, yeah, you look like a demon half the time. But it, this is the same thing when I was watching the documentary over the Epsteins. Mm-hmm. Those defense attorneys victim blaming children 13 children years old that it was these children's fault that epstein got away with sex trafficking it's these children's fault that they were abducted because they wanted to, they were going off to form a pornography at 13 years old there are child labor laws i am sorry right furthermore there are child pornography laws right and there uh, there's a company somewhere per, no, Give me a break. Right. Oh, I know. How do you sleep at night even concocting a story like that? All of the things you could have come up with, that's what you chose. Right. Shame on you. Absolutely. That's all I got to say. The case seemed to be strong with solid facts, uh, insurmountable evidence, and it had convincing testimonies. Therefore... When the case was thrown out by the judge after granting what? Mm-hmm, after granting the defense's motion to dismiss the case, Ray Elliott said his team they were shocked, couldn't believe it. Uh, I, the hearing ended. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hearing ended with the judge throwing out much of the physical evidence as well as oh information gosh. regarding his involvement in the case of Sharon Bald Eagle and testimony from Long's daughter and an inmate who had served time with him in California. Or, no, I'm sorry, that was Wyoming, I think. Okay. Lance Rumsey was barred from testifying, and I think he was the inmate. Okay, as maybe he, I could see that. As he had been hypnotized during the investigation, oh, and the defense felt he was now partial to outside suggestions. That's what the, the defense claimed. Under hypnosis, maybe. He I also, mean, I, okay, I can see that. He also threw out the charges of kidnapping, citing a lack of evidence the girls had been confined. They're missing. There's blood and hair in the car. Luminol suggests there was a large body or two small bodies, and you found different types of hair, two different that, types of human hair. So one that's, that matched one of the victims so, and their pets. Yes, and one of them matching the same hair color as the other missing child. Mm-hmm. The prosecution appealed the removal of the kidnapping charges and won. Oh, God. During Thank the God. appeal. I know. It, it's just, I told you this was a wild case. Oh, my gosh. So during the appeal, both sides saw motions thrown out. Again, Long pled not guilty to murder and kidnapping and was denied bond. While in jail, he was offered a plea deal with the ability to serve his sentence in Wyoming if he revealed the location of the girls' bodies. But he turned it down. He turned it down the offer. Interesting. Does that sound familiar? Because another... Logan Tucker case, his mother also turned down the plea deal. Right. If she just told them where his body was. I just find it so interesting. Me too. And especially knowing that Oklahoma is a death penalty state. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe if you are that convinced that you are innocent or you are that convinced that you're going to get away with it or, or something, then yeah, you would turn down a plea. But at the same time, granted, I mean, of course we have, we have the gift of being able to look in hindsight. Yeah. So, and just like, you know, this is some insurmountable evidence oh, here yeah. backing oh, you yeah. up in. Not to mention that he's already in prison. Yes. For. Sexual assault e- either way, you're going to jail, brother. So, do you want to go to the jail knowing that most likely was it still the electric chair in Oklahoma? I don't know. Probably not at that time. But I don't know. Um, but that that is what you could be facing. Or hey, you can go and retire mm-hmm. in jail in Wyoming and just live out the rest of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Both sides came before the judge in December 1985. The defense asked him to drop all charges against Halong as there wasn't enough evidence to convict. And the judge obliged. Oh, my God. The jury and case were dismissed. Oh, my gosh. According to the family, Long frequently taunted them throughout the court proceedings, saying he was the only one who knew the truth about Charlotte and Cinda's disappearances. Understandably, Elliot and his team and the families were devastated Elliot described that moment as the lowest point in his career. He recalled the day he visited Mr. and Mrs. Pallet, still emotional from the guilt he said he had from the case. Quote, I sat in his living room and promised him that we would convict Roy Russell Long. I was not able to fulfill that promise, and I live with that today, Elliot said. I truly believe I let that family down. Elliot said from that day forward, he never promised another victim's family anything other than he would do the best he could. It's probably a good thing. The day after the case was dismissed, Long was being led out of the courtroom in handcuffs. He leaned over to whisper to the families. The families would later tell Elliot what Long had told them. Quote, he leaned over to the victim's families, the mothers and fathers who were sitting in the front row and whispered to the family, only I know where the bodies are. Oh, and I'm not talking. From that moment forward, Elliot said he knew without any doubt that he had the right guy. Whether or not it could be tried in the courtroom, Elliot said he believed they presented enough evidence to let a jury decide, which I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. He said that without a doubt in his mind, the jury would have convicted Long. He said, oh quote, gosh. I don't believe it's a cold case at all, except perhaps to the extent it's a cold case and that we still haven't recovered the bodies. To this day, the girls' bodies have never been found. In April 1985, a report came in which said Cinda and Charlotte had been spotted in Miami several times over the course of two months. They were said to be using names that were similar to their real ones. And despite a task force being formed to comb Northwest Dade County, the girls were not located. I was going to say, okay, you keep spotting these girls, then go there. Like, right. It, and, and at that time, they would still have been minors, technically, and you could have retained, you know, re- retained them, like yeah. kept them. Yeah. That. In 1986, Long wrote a letter to the Daily Oklahoman claiming he could solve the case and was willing to speak if they paid him money. What do you need money for? You're in prison. The publication denied this request. Good for them. He also wrote a letter to Norma Pallet. The mere fact that inmates can get a victim's address. I mean, granted, it's a little bit harder now, I'm sure, because back then they had white pages. 
But the, they, how, how do you let them mail letters out like that? I mean, granted, I guess he was in Wyoming. Maybe they didn't remember the name of the victim's family or something. I don't, I don't know. know, but still. I don't know. God, what a nightmare. And then after you get one letter, I would never want to check the mail ever again. Oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine how sick she must have felt. Oh, for sure. He also wrote a letter to Norman Pallet expressing how bad he felt. But oh, but claiming Give he never me a break. No, get this. But claiming he never saw Cinda on the day she disappeared. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Right. Long died of a heart attack oh, in November rats. of 1993 while serving time in the Wyoming State Penitentiary. So he died in prison. He is a possible suspect in several other unsolved cases. Oh, so we're talking that he's a serial killer, possibly. Yeah, get this. We're going to go through him. Royal Russell Long is also a possible suspect in the following cases. There's three of them. The first one, the disappearance of 19-year-old Carlene Brown from Rollins, Wyoming, on July 4th, 1974. She and her friend Christine, or Christy, and Gross, were attending the Little Britches Rodeo when they vanished. Christy's remains were located in Sinclair, Wyoming, in October 1983. Her cause of death being two blows to the head. Carlene has never been found. The second, the disappearance of Deborah Ray Meyer from Rollins, Wyoming, on August 4th, 1974. Deborah was visiting relatives when she just... Uh, when she decided to walk to a local movie theater. She never arrived and hasn't been seen since. The third, the abduction and murder of 10-year-old Jaylene Dawn Banker on August 23rd, 1974. Serial killer. Her family were at the Carbon County Rodeo in Rollins, Wyoming, when Jaylene disappeared and her body was found in a field two miles southwest of Rollins on April 24th, 1975. Her cause of death was a blow to the head. All of those happened in Rollins, Wyoming, mm-hmm. 1974. The summer of 1974, July and August. Mm-hmm. All of them. The case And was, he was known to be there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this was before... His trip to Oklahoma. Yep. The case for Cinda and Charlotte was featured on America's Most Wanted. After the broadcast, a woman called their hotline claiming to be Cinda. However, she turned out to be an 18-year-old from Virginia who had a history of mental illness. Investigators believe Cinda and Charlotte's bodies are somewhere in Oklahoma, but will likely never be found. Foul play is suspected in their disappearance. Charlotte's DNA is available for comparison, while Cinda's dental records and DNA are on file should uh, their remains ever be located. So a little bit of aftermath. Okay. Perla, which I think is Charlotte's mom. Yeah. Perla has since passed away. She kept Charlotte's room just as her daughter left it for eight years, oh, holding on to the hope she would one day return home. Mm. In 1983, she participated in the National Child Search, providing information about search efforts to families of missing children. Charlotte's disappearance greatly affected her sister, Christy Lane, who was just five months old at the time of her disappearance. Oh, my god! She says her older sister's disappearance made her very protective of her own children. 
Well, can and, you imagine the... I mean, that had to have affected the way she was raised. Oh, absolutely. You know? Because she was a baby when she uh-huh. disappeared. And you think her mother probably never let her out of her oh. sight. Never let her go anywhere by no. herself. Probably and not I, w- I mean, I don't blame her at all. I don't blame her either. Um, I, unfortunately, I didn't see anything about Cinda's family. But, so, there is some contact information. And... <sighs> This just kind of describes the girls just a little bit. You can kind of get a glimpse of their personality. Charlotte June Kinsey was last seen at the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma County, Oklahoma, on September 26, 1981. She was 13 years old and was last seen wearing a dark maroon short-sleeved pullover blouse with white stripes on the sleeves and white trim on the sleeves and neck, blue jeans, Nike tennis shoes, and a wedding band type ring on her right ring finger. At the time of her disappearance, she stood between five feet and five feet one and weighed a hundred pounds. She has shoulder length strawberry blonde hair and blue gray eyes. She has a triangular shaped birthmark on her lower cheek near her waistline and a small dot shaped scar below her left eye. She has silver caps on her lower front teeth and her ears are pierced. Charlotte enjoyed poetry and roller skating at the time of her disappearance. She was also suffering from depression at the time of her disappearance. Just two weeks before, she had tried to take her own life by overdosing on her mother's tranquilizers. Cinda Leanne Pellet was last seen on the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma County, Oklahoma. She was 13 years old and was last seen wearing a white t-shirt with dark blue sleeves. The ZZ top logo on the front and the number 81 on the back, size 12 slim blue jeans, a rope belt made of braided orange rust colored nylon with a leather buckle and her name tooled in it. A two-tone blue Nike sneaker with black waffle soles. (laughs) At the time of her disappearance, she stood about five feet tall and weighed 88 pounds. She has shoulder length brown hair and blue eyes. She has a small scar below the corner of her left eyebrow and wears a dental retainer behind her lower front teeth. Cinda was a shortstop on a softball team at the time of her disappearance and was looking forward to trying out for the school basketball team. She had purchased tickets for a Van Halen concert, which took place the week after she disappeared. Oh my gosh. Currently, the cases are classified as non-family abductions, and some agencies state their disappearances occurred on September 25th, 1981. Um, if alive, Charlotte would be 52 years old, and Cinda would be 53 years old. This was at the time of this. I, I didn't think to calculate it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, those with information regarding the case are asked to contact the Oklahoma State Police at... 405-231-2121 or the Oklahoma City Police Department at either. Now, there's like four different numbers. Mm-hmm. So it's 405-297-1129, 405-297-1290, 405-297-1288 or 405-297-1000. Tips can also be called into the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation at 1-800-522-8017 or 405-427-5421 and the FBI's Oklahoma City office at 405-290-7070. Wait, 7070. (laughs) 
So anyway, I know that was a lot of numbers, but if anybody has any information, and that's all I have on the girls, but if you have any kind of information on that day or what you saw and you haven't spoken to the police, here's your opportunity. Right. So it's just, there's no doubt in my mind that he did it. Oh, for sure. And I, I just, I pray there's somebody out there with some tiny bit of information that is just like, hey, this guy was on our land. Mm-hmm. between those dates or during those dates and, and too bad too bad they don't still have that rental car i know because they still have dna from the girls mm-hmm. and if they had the dna from the car yeah i don't think there would be any question yeah well and they could probably definitely get some familial dna mm-hmm. at least but, but that's it's that was a, that impressive how detailed the descriptions of them mm-hmm. were so that if in any time they were ever able to find dental, yeah, you know, absolutely, you'd be able. Those are things that don't go like your capped teeth don't go right. away, you know. Right. So. Oh. Maybe. Well, that day. was a terrible story. It was. It was absolutely was. And, and I hate that it's um, unsolved, but it's not really because we know that douche canoe did I it. I just so. want to like, I want to shake the judge and be like. Who paid you off? Right, that's what I was like. What does he have on you? Like, why? Like, how, how? There was a solid case there. They've they've taken things to trial with much less than the that. Inmate thing. Okay, I get. Right. Yeah. The daughter's testimony. Everyone else's testimony. Like everything was solid. The boy's testimony. Like I, they were at one time in that car with if him. If you look at the sketch, the um, the sketch and the guy they arrested, spot on. Oh they my look, gosh. I mean, they look a lot. Yeah. There's no That's question. one thing that in this time period, like Oklahoma had going for them was their sketch artist because so many cases that we've done from this time period, the sketches have looked so much like mm-hmm. the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's just like, gosh. And then I for him imagine. to say what he said to those families. Oh, yeah. I, I can't. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know if I, I mean, I guarantee that they literally, those families, he did it for shock value and he knew that there was nothing they could do to him. But mm-hmm. I mean, like if it was my father, I could see my father reacting with a fist. Oh, much more than a fist. Right. I can guarantee that. Um, and in my father's eyes, it would have definitely been worth every bit of jail time he would have gotten for it. I just. And. That is what I mean. I would like to think that that's the way I probably would have reacted as well. But at the same time, like, first off, you just received the shock of your life that this case was being dismissed. Yeah. And then he leans over and says that. I mean, you're oh, probably, I, it probably I took a second imagine. to process. But. Oh, yeah. But like, did that really happen? I probably would have been like, wait, what did what? he just say? Like, did I hear what I thought right. I heard? You know. <sighs> but man, yeah, I just happened to come across that and I. Or, and he said it in a way that the deputies that were escorting him didn't hear didn't hear it because I feel like if I were a deputy, I mean, I feel like um, I would be concerned if I'm leading you out the door and you're in handcuffs because you're going back to Wyoming State Penitentiary, right? And you're gonna lean down to that family mm-hmm. and whisper something. I'm gonna want to know what you said to them, right? And what what makes you think you get to talk to him? And anyway? why would you yeah. even be? anywhere near them uh, Why that's would true be... why did he even get the opportunity to walk past well, them and the fact that he'd been taunting them the whole hearing like, the was... whole time 
who was this judge? And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, <sighs> nah. Wow. So anyway, my, I, my heart goes out to that, fa- oh both of those goodness. families. Cause you know, that honestly, it wasn't that long ago. It was not. It so. wasn't that long ago. Well, like Jess said, if you happen to have any information on this Oklahoma cold case, please, please call one of those numbers. Even call your local Crime Stoppers. Yes. And you can remain completely anonymous. Absolutely. And, you know, any kind of closure would be so helpful to these families. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if you have a, if you have another case suggestion for Jess or I to look into, you know, you can always email us at okay at gmail.com. Find us on all of the social media websites. And we would love if you would rate, follow, and review us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And And Tiff's going to have a story for us next week. I will. It'll be much happier. It's much happier. (laughs) Much happier. A history story. It's a history. It's a dark one, but it's much happier. It's a much happier (laughs) ending, I promise. So just tell them what to keep it. Keep it kooky and spooky. Bye. Bye.